Hi, I'm Rob. Welcome to the new Multi-Site Masters podcast. As the CEO of a technology company supporting the retail and hospitality sectors, I'm constantly fascinated by the stories I hear from people I encounter day to day. Hopefully you've found us because you share my passion for finding out what makes these industries, with their large bases of operations and geographically and culturally diverse workforces, really tick. As your host, I'm going to be doing just that on this podcast. Every week I'll be speaking to a leading industry figure about their management philosophies and hope to tease out their tips and insights about what it means to run a successful business at scale. So without further ado, let's get straight into the first episode. Today on Multisite Masters, we're speaking with Chris Joseph, a franchise operations and international market development specialist with a more than 25 year track record of rapidly building chain branded businesses that include Domino's Pizza, Krispy Kreme Donuts, and more recently, Esquire's Coffee. Well, Chris, welcome to Multisite Masters. Thank you for joining us. I'm happy to be here, Rob. I'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity to chat. Well, and I don't really know, looking at, your, looking at your background, I don't really know where to start, but I guess rather than starting at the beginning, let's start most recently. Tell me about Esquire's Coffee. Esquire's Coffee is a specialty uh, coffee house co concept. Um, and we, um, it's a franchise opportunity for, for folks that want to have a coffee shop franchise. I mean, if you're looking for a franchise today, and you want you want to open a coffee shop and 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 be as successful as the the main players on the high street. Esquire's is one of the brands that you would be looking at, and we differentiate ourselves from the rest because we are more artisanal. We uh, adhere to fair trade and organic principles, and it it, it translates through throughout through the execution of the brand. And do, do you find that the organic and the fair trade principles? Um, scale internationally. Are, are international customers increasingly attracted to those to those sorts of um, ethical models? Do you find? Absolutely. It, it, and you have to look at it in, in two two specific con uh, contexts. Number one, the organic translates across countries. I think people understand now, especially in the last few years, that there is benefit to not having chemicals in your food. And people are looking for food that's free from, and, and we tick the box in, in that regard. On the issue of fair trade, I think as people become more aware of this surrounding, what they can do for other people, fair trade is something that they look at. Now, in some countries it's more relevant than others, and you dial up or dial down those equities as necessary. The other thing is you don't want to dial it up so much so that you feel like you're beating the customer over the head and you know, saying you, you feel guilty for not buying uh, f from a brand that isn't fair trade and organic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the things I find interesting about franchising as a model, and particularly international franchising, is of course one of the things the franchisee gets to do is they get to buy into an existing brand and a scale operation. How scalable is the organic and fair trade model? I think it's just going to be more and more. I mean, if we look at the English high street today and you look at brands like uh, Leon and, and some other of those guys out there, uh, people are aware and they, they're looking for that. Or just one has to only go to their supermarket and, and once upon a time the whole organic section could be in one aisle. But how many aisles is it spinning to right now? You know, and, yeah. it, and it hits you the moment you just, just the moment you, you meet your vegetables. 
It's so true. I mean, obviously, people listening to this podcast will be representing a whole range of different brands, probably including some of the some of the big ones. I mean, if you were, I know you spent a long time at Domino's originally. I'm sure it'd be interesting to to hear about uh, your various experiences in that business. But if if you're a, a multi-site manager in one of these mega brands today, would you be thinking about this trend towards organic, fair trade sort of um, artisanal positioning? You know, it all depends, Rob. I mean, if you're a manager in one of those sites, you probably are not thinking about it, but you might be living it because that's what your ethos is. Because not all brands have that as their brand, their brand statement or their what they stand for as a brand. Whereas uh, Esquire's, we we want to live it from the time we wake up to the time we go to to bed. Um, we want to. Yeah, I mean, even to our, our designs, we, we try to bring in recycled materials or recycled furniture, that kind of thing. You can't say you're organic and fair trade and then you just go and put plastic in your in your shops. Chris, in your experience, how important really is it that everybody lives the brand? And if it's not important that everybody lives it, because perhaps that's not realistic, at what level, at what's the minimum level that you have to buy into that brand story in order for an organization to be effective? Well, it begins, in my experience, in my 25 years experience in franchising, it begins with the franchisee. If they don't live it and they don't believe it, then they're not, they're not going to, um, they're not, they're the head. They, 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 it, they're the ones that select their employees at the end of the day. If if you don't believe in what the brand stands for, then don't franchise to that brand. Be, though I, I have, I've met people where they where they go and buy a franchise, and then the next day they're going to say, "Well, you know, now that I'm a franchisee, this is what I think I'd like to do with the menu, or this is what I think I'd like to do with the colors, or this is what I'd like to do with the interiors." And you go, "Whoa, you know, you didn't buy this to change it. You you didn't go into a shop to." to buy a black car and then, you know, put pinstripes later on, or maybe you do, but <laughs> franchising is not that way. Well, it's so, I mean, with something like Esquire's, which I can understand is a sort of aspirational modern brand, I get the artisan piece, I mean, I, that I can completely understand. When you, were, when you were wearing your Domino's hat and you're representing that sort of um, machine, uh, can I infer from what you're advising that you'd recommend franchisees actually to buy into the brand and not just the economics of that model? And if so, what what was the, what were the brand values that you think attracted franchisees and attracted you to work there for so long? Yeah, you know, I, that's a very that's a very uh, interesting topic. You know, is it, how do we? Is it is it did do franchisees or did I stay at Domino's because I love pizza or I love pizza shops? You know, and and I think you've got to have you've got to have. Chris, I love I love both of those things, so don't knock it. <laughs> exactly, it. You know, that's how I ended up staying there so long, and that's where I see myself in this in in the coffee world because, um, you know, my day starts with coffee. My my last thought is coffee, and it's both the the the, the buzz of a coffee shop is so much fun. You get you attract so many people from different walks of life and the commonality is coffee. And young and old, not not young, but relatively, you know, middle to old, they're still drinking coffee. Pizza has a die-off stage as well, you know, like most uh, food items. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what, at what level do you think 
because um, a lot of people come into hospitality as um, part-time work or as a stopover job and then some people just really get the bug and they might start as a just a member of crew and then work their way up to a location manager and then regional and you know if they're really lucky and determined they might get into ops when do you see people typically catch catch the bug and start to really enjoy what they're doing as opposed to just being there to earn money and is it at sort of store manager level assistant manager level or does it just depend it's it, it, that's a that's a there's some people you meet and from from the start you know from their first day they go inside the shop they're they're enthused they're happy they like being with people they like the people they work with and they like interacting with the people they serve these are the people that at the end of the day are the ones that will rise to the top in this business because it's all about people. Everything we do in hospitality is about people. It's about the hospitality, after all, you know. Um, and and but there are certain brands that have that magic. And, and I've been fortunate with Esquire's and with Krispy Kreme, where people come in and they just they they love they love the brand. They understand the brand. They want to connect with the brand. Um, both from well, the employees and the customer when you point someone, of view. Yeah, I mean, when you see someone walking through London with a box, a Krispy Kreme box under their arm, you know it's either their birthday or they're celebrating something in the office. It's becoming a really sort of familiar, sort of borderline icon, iconic image, isn't it? When you see someone in London, mm -hmm. it's almost you're as likely to see someone with a box of Krispy Kreme under their arm as you are a bouquet of flowers now, which is fascinating. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's really the customer being the office hero. They're coming in, or the party hero. They're coming in with a box of Krispy Kreme. It's not because they want to eat the dozen donuts in that box. They want to <laughs> share the joy with everyone and they want to, and there's an affirmation of that person walking in with the donuts. Oh, what a nice guy you are. Thank you for bringing the donuts and all this. That just helps build the the brand as well and 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 how Krispy Kreme can be can bring happiness uh, on on occasions. Uh when we when we opened around the world for example and I was in charge of, of Asia for Krispy Kreme. Um, I walked into a shop in, in uh, Shinjuku in Japan, and, and all the staff was dressed uh, as, a, a, you know, Halloween. And I said, oh, this is really nice. Do the Japanese really celebrate Halloween? This is the big thing here. That's why everyone's dressed. They go, no, people come here because they want, they want it as part of the Krispy Kreme experience, a brand experience that's tied to America, that's tied oh, that's to this American cool. holiday. Look, well, okay, yeah. so if, we're, if, if, if I'm a new franchisee or I'm a, um, someone that's been promoted to a manager and I haven't done a lot of hiring in the past, I completely can get the advice intellectually, hire great people, hire people who like people. How do I spot the fakers as a rookie recruiter? What, 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 what are your tips for, really, for making sure you get the good eggs that are going to be happy in a hospitality career long or short term when you're hiring them? I, you know, uh, I I can't. I it's hard for me to to the rookie recruiter that misses the signs shouldn't be in the business. I'm really sorry, man. Oh, you know, how, he, of course. You, you really you really are auditioning the people for for the business um, during the whole and recruiting it, it, process. It, 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 or, Sorry, Chris, are you saying to me that that really is one of the core competencies of a manager? So if they can't do that, then you as the manager's manager are actually at fault rather than the rookie manager. That's right. 
That's right. You know, when when sometimes when you're recruiting, it's just good to ask a person the stuff that makes them excited, unrelated to the whole hospitality business. I I ask people uh, what's their favorite dish and how they like to uh, cook it, because if they can explain to me what they like and how they like it and how they prepare it, then no doubt that when they come into my restaurant and people ask what's good, what's a good coffee or what's this or whatever, they can explain it. And and your rookie recruiters are going to ask the standard questions like, tell me your strengths and weaknesses. And, And the rookie interviewee is the guy that didn't prepare for that interview that didn't read up on the internet with the 101 possible answers that, that, that are that are out there for that just very simple question. Isn't that interesting that you could see how a rookie could actually be impressed by a rehearsed cold response whereas a, a, a veteran or an experienced person as you say will be looking for those uh, evidence of, of honest and natural delight in the person they're speaking to. I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, it's obvious now you've said it, but I perhaps wouldn't have thought to articulate it in, in such a way. I'm sure people will find that interesting. Can, can, I, can I ask you about um, preparing for scale, Chris? When you, when you um, induct a new franchisee into one of your businesses, do you, how long do you encourage them to focus on their single site first, or are you telling them to prepare for scale from the beginning? No, from the beginning, um, it, actually it begins with the business plan. Any franchisee should have, or anyone that's entering a business should have a plan. And there are even one-page plans. So it, whether you're part of a chain or you're doing it on your own, have a plan. You can't, it's like walking into an empty space and saying, I'm going to build a house here. You need a plan. And in franchising, the plan then makes sure everyone's aligned. Um, you don't want the franchisee to come in and, and say, I expect to make my return on investment in, in an unrealistic time. Um, because then the whole franchise sale process would have failed if a franchisee walked in thinking that he's going to make it beating you know, the average, so to speak. So when a franchisee comes in, he puts in a plan. There are companies that... that third-party companies that I would recommend a franchisee go and hire because no franchisee is going to write the plan to fail. Because if they present the plan to you, it's going to be a plan to, to succeed. But you do need some re- you do need a reality check. So yeah, that makes I, sense. I, I had franchisees in, in, in Krispy Kreme who would go uh, for a whole country franchise, master franchise, and they'd spend thirty or forty thousand dollars ahead of getting the brand before they spend the millions in the investment, which is which makes sense. It makes sense. So once you have this plan, go back to the plan regularly. Even your your have a timeline, have a Gantt chart from uh, uh, from application to launch and then post launch. Many people in franchising are focused on just the opening. Um, we really have to focus on getting to critical mass. Once you have critical mass of either sales or customers, if you're a single unit operator, then you're, you, you feel like you're getting the return on investment. Uh, when as a chain you have critical mass in a market, then you go from being 
uh, a mom and pop to being a national brand. And that's important in the international marketplaces to get that bigness of the brand because the bigness of the brand translates to the consumer that they can trust your brand. Think about yeah, all that, the brands. You yeah, know, you think, uh, I mean, there's not, there are very few places you go now where there's not massive competition for, um, yeah. for, for wallet, right? Yeah, and, and if you think about, for example, Domino's Pizza, it's a big brand in the UK today. But they started in the 80s, and they weren't exactly a big brand then. They were a big American brand in the UK, but today they are a big UK brand. They're a major, uh, they're a major employer in this country. They're expanding. They're giving, uh, they're franchising. People are going into business with that brand, and people can trust Domino's. Same thing with Krispy Kreme. And same thing we hope to achieve here in, in Esquire Center, the few units that we have in the UK. But we're doing it globally as well. Yeah, with you on the bus, I've no doubt it'll be successful with, with that. I, I, have a, and I know that you don't have forever to be on this, this podcast, but there's so many more things I want to ask you. Um, I, I understand that if you've got someone that just has a raw passion for the industry and a passion for, for, for um, looking after customers and serving great, great food or other products, that, that makes sense to me. In terms of like hard technical skills or background experiences, would someone that has been running a, a, um, a corporate site or a hospitality organization have natural advantages over a first-time franchisee that comes in from, say, another sector, assuming that they both have equal passion for the industry? You know, Rob, that is exactly, that person that's coming from outside the industry is the person that should franchise. because. A good franchise system has systems, processes, and procedures that they can follow and you know use as a blueprint for success. There are the natural entrepreneurs who love the hospitality industry, and these folks are sometimes not the franchisees you want to have because they're the kind of guys that will come in and try to change the brand before they fully understand the brand. And there, are, there is room for the entrepreneurs. There is room in a franchise system for the innovators. There is room, but uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Oh, Chris, let, let's have some fun with this. So I assume that you're okay. forever... I assume that you're forever checking out hot new concepts. I know that you spend a lot yeah. of your time on the road, but actually you're, you're based in London a decent percentage of the time as well, where, of course, we've got new brands popping up all the time. How long does it take you upon walking into a new brand to work out if, it, if, the, if the entrepreneur behind it knows what he or she is doing and could scale that format? You know, back in the when I started, it was a lot it was very easy because you could see which brands were scalable. Nowadays, you find entrepreneurs come up with their brands and you can see it's scalable, but then the only question is, do they have enough capital or, you know, are they making, do, do they have enough units to be able to, um, to, to reach a critical mass where they're, where they're self-funding? There's a brand like Chilango, you know, they're, they're scalable. They're they're so scalable. They they and and it's homegrown and homespun. I don't know. I some you can tell easily, and, and some are, are difficult because in the old the failure rates in the old days they were changed. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One has to only walk do down. The, why do you think that is? What what what's the principal reason for format failure when when uh, so, you know when someone's dream doesn't work out how they hoped? 
there are many reasons, but there's always one that's fairly consistent, critical mass. Critical mass of customers, critical mass of units, uh, because uh, when you have when you have when you achieve your critical mass of customers, more customers bring more customers, right? It's just organic growth. When you yeah, have that, critical that. mass of units, then you're you're buying cheaper, uh, you're getting terms, you're able to manage your cash in the business. This is a cash flow business. So the restaurant business is cash flow. It's, you you get you get food today from the supplier, you sell it tonight to your customers, you pay the supplier the next day. If you have to pay up front, you're already behind. I can imagine for a lot of entrepreneurs, it must be very difficult reconciling the fact that in order for the business to, to survive and then thrive, they need to scale. But quite often, the early employees they'll have brought into the organization will have been brought into a family-type environment, and that, that environment may not be compatible with a hyperscaling culture and operation. I wonder how many brands get trapped in that sort of fam, that family scale because the people they have aren't culturally willing to to become more distant from the front line or from head office, whichever way you look at it. I, I wouldn't know the statistics on that, Rob. It, I, 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 there is one family in the Philippines that uh, uh, has the Krispy Kreme brand, and you know their family started as a family business, but by the second and third generation, they were they were expanding it, they were they were scaling it. I, these 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 folks are unique. You know, they said, how do we make how do they make uh, how do they build the brand that their 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 fa their father and their uncle built? Whereas some they you know they they might not be interested in serving people. They might want to go into banking instead. Who knows? So, where, where, which which territory in the world? So just to finish up, Chris, which territory in the world do you think is the most exciting for a a food format entrepreneur that might might have international designs and wants to get into franchising? Where should they be looking? Believe it or not, the UK. This market is fantastic. It's oh, really? changing. Absolutely, absolutely. Look at the coffee industry here. In uh, the, how coffee is moving towards artisanal, where people are talking about single blend coffees and they're enjoying it uh, throughout the day, into the night, even with with coffee cocktails and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, the the burger wars, the better burger. Wars, we 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 lived it right two or three years ago. It was uh, who who brought them, and there's a lot, there's a lot, uh, and we didn't see a contraction of hamburgers in the UK, did we? You know, what I mean, there's so many right. good burger places for for you and I to 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 enjoy. I, I'm seeing that with coffee, coffee in the UK, and and concepts. I mean, think about new new concepts. Once upon a time in the UK, foreign food was Italian food. Then there was the, the the Thai wave, and then there's the uh, then there's the uh, uh, the the Peruvian South American wave. This market is ever changing and ever growing, and the consumers are so welcoming. And it starts in London, and not necessarily starts in London, but it's just gonna. It, this country is 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 just it, it's it's amazing, and and. It's growing despite all the fears of Brexit and everything like that because this, this market will continue to grow. What a wonderful note to finish on. So I took three big things from that. One, hire for culture and delight. Plan 
business plan to grow, grow, grow to scale. And finally, hey, don't overlook what's on your doorstep. The UK is an amazing place to be in this industry. Chris, thank you so much. You're most welcome, Rob. Look forward to speaking to you at a later date whenever. All right, cheers. Thanks again to Chris Joseph, General Manager of International Operations Esquire's Coffee. We hope you enjoyed our first show. If you have any feedback or would like to feature or suggest someone to feature on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch via the website, multisitemasters.co.uk. That's M-U-L-T-I-S-I-T-E, masters, all one word, .co.uk, where you can sign up for email updates. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at multisitemaster. That's with no S. That's it for now. I hope to see you back here soon when I'll be joined by my next multi-site master.